Hello, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of the 177 Nations of Tasmania podcast. So how much do you know about Ecuador? If you're like most Tasmanians, my guess is probably not that much. However, the Galapagos Islands, which belong to Ecuador, are probably more familiar. Now, my guest for this episode, Denise, grew up in the largest city in Ecuador, but was working on the Galapagos Islands when the first wave of the COVID pandemic struck in 2020. She's lived in different parts of Australia for the best part of 15 years, but arrived in Tasmania only a year ago, and interestingly, has found some similarities with the Galapagos Islands. What is an Ecuadorian doing in Tasmania? What do Tasmania and the Galapagos Islands actually have in common? For the answer to these questions and more, please listen on. My name is Denise. I am Ecuadorian and I am a PhD student here at the University of Tasmania. So I'm doing research on climate change and marine ecosystems in the Southern Ocean. So very different to what I used to be doing before I came here. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And how long have you been here? A year, just over a year. I arrived December 2021, so not too long ago. What were you doing before and where were you? I was in the Galapagos working as a marine biologist. So I was focusing on shark and conservation, shark, shark conservation. Yeah, so it was very different. I went from the tropics to the poles. (laughs) Yeah, that's a big, I mean, both islands, I guess, but uh, the Galapagos Islands are very different in so many ways to Yes, yes. It's like there are a lot of similarities, like they're both kind of like smaller places. People seem to all know each other (laughs) somehow, but yeah, I guess it's like, I don't know, they're both like back there, more similarities and differences, I would say. Probably the main difference is the language. <laughs> okay. Other than that, it's like pretty similar, actually. Before the pandemic started, I applied for a job in the Galapagos Islands. Yeah. <laughs> it's like dream job. I thought I didn't know it was possible to find a job in my field teaching English somewhere like Galapagos Islands. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, 2020, maybe this is my year. <laughs> Two weeks later, I didn't even get a response because the border closed. Oh. And, and it was obvious that all over the world things were going going bad. Yeah, just things just shut down. It was like really strange because I was in the Galapagos when everything shut down. Um, so, oh, right. yeah, all of a sudden we, Jesus, I couldn't leave the island. <laughs> wow. So we, we could have... If fate had been different, (laughs) we could have met in the Galapagos Islands in the different circumstances. Exactly, yeah. Wow, isn't that funny? (laughs) Maybe it's an island thing. Everybody in an island knows each other then. (laughs) Yeah, because uh, the reason why I I mentioned that was because I did a whole lot of reading up about the Galapagos Islands, as you do when you may be going to a new place. A new place, exactly. And uh, I didn't really have a conception. Of course, I knew about it in documentaries, nature documentaries. Yeah. But I didn't have a conception of uh, how many people were there or what what people did for their daily lives. Yeah, it's a bit... A bit boring, I would say. Oh, really? <laughs> There's not many options. So it's it's a beautiful place to be in. Um, but then it's like you tend to do a lot of the same things because mm-hmm. it's not like here you have options of like, oh, you know, I can just I don't know, go climbing or go and, you know, kind of go in the snow in winter or whatever. Over there, it's like pretty much the same sort of weather. And mostly you just swim or do some sort of water sports and... I used to run a lot. I love running, Mm -hmm. but it was hard because it was like, you know, you kind of run towards the the volcano, essentially, because they're all volcanoes. So you just went up 
the volcano essentially yeah so it was hard yeah <laughs> especially because it was so humid yeah and it's quite it's quite isolated i mean it's quite far from the mainland of ecuador isn't yes it? it's 1000 kilometers away mm. yeah so the flight is not too bad it's only like an hour and a half or something but it's actually hugely expensive to mm. to travel there you have an idea to get to miami from ecuador costs about half of what it will cost to go to the islands yeah right. yeah so not a lot of people can you know afford that <laughs> yeah yeah and the people uh the, the population sort of spread over a couple of different islands if I yes so there are three islands that are inhabited and there's an airport in a fourth one but there's no one really living in there and i was living in probably one of the biggest settlements in there and that's where the research station where i that I was working at East Bates as well. Yeah. So tell me a bit about what kind of work you were doing there. So it's just researching sharks. It was actually quite fun because we yeah. just put tags so we can see, like track them, track their movements just to see where they were so we can try to give this information to the the managers, the Galapagos National Park, um, so they can decide like, you know, where are the best spots to make sure that, you know, they are protected and, you know, if the marine reserve should be expanded, which happened recently, which is mm -hmm. great news. Yeah. So I'm excited to see like what that's going to be like. And so what brought you to Tasmania actually? So I was in Tasmania about six, seven years ago mm -hmm. and I did an internship at the university, the same university that I'm in at the moment. And I quite like the um, just the, the university itself, the Hobart, everything about it was super nice. So I decided to come back. And because it does a lot of studies about climate change and it was something that I wanted to know a little bit more about so I can apply it to the sharks eventually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so that's why I came here to get better trained so I can eventually kind of get back hopefully into conservation again in the Galapagos. first come to Australia and what were the, what was so, the circumstances? I was, I think, 19 when I first came. And I was mentioning before that I used to watch a lot of Steve Irwin, the Crocodile mm -hmm. Hunter, whatever. And yeah, I always wanted to come. And when I went to uni the first time, I was looking at going on exchange. And then I asked my university, do you have any universities in Australia? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I thought that would be let's saying no, it's too far away, but they actually had three different agreements and no one ever went because it was too far. Okay. Yeah. So I was like, I want to go. <laughs> so people thought that was a bit crazy at first, I think, because <laughs> it was like, you know, I knew no one in here. It was so far. Yeah. So I think, yeah, people were a bit concerned <laughs> at first. Okay. So... Were you also studying in the same field at that time? No, it was completely different. I was doing hotel management because my family had hotels back home. So the idea was like, oh, we'll eventually take over the family business. But then I realized that's not my thing. Okay. <laughs> and yeah, so I actually came on exchange for a year, really liked Australia, then mm -hmm. went back for a year and then I decided to come back. And then I finished my university studies here working hotels for a little bit and decided to actually do science because that's kind of more the sort of thing that I like doing. Mm -hmm. And yeah, then I kind of stay. <laughs> I've been here for like, what, 15 years? I've been, yeah. Did you 
find a lot of differences between uh, Australia and Ecuador at, at first? Yes. But then it's like, I guess like when you're in any relationship, you kind of like idealize things mm -hmm. and you're like all the beautiful things about like, you know, the country and this, you know, there's so many beautiful things about Australia and that's why I'm still here yeah. <laughs> 15 years later. But yeah, I think like I concentrated more on the positive and that's probably why I ended up like coming here and kind of settling here for most of the last 15 years. <laughs> Yeah, but I think the thing that I like the most is less inequality, mm -hmm. which is probably not as true as it was when I first arrived. And I don't know, like I feel people are less judgmental in here because mm -hmm. in Ecuador there's a lot of like classism. Okay. Um, so, you know, you have to like look a certain way, act a certain way to kind of like belong to whatever group that you're in. And I never, I think I, I always... Everybody tells me that I like to do the opposite of what everybody else is doing. <laughs> so I think that's probably why, like, I just didn't quite fit in. But in here, I was like, oh, I just can do whatever I want and be whatever I yeah. want. So it's, like, freeing in a way. I don't feel as such a weird little person anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Were there any sort of major cultural differences that you've noticed between? I guess, like, one of these is, like, what you mentioned before, like, families, they are not mm -hmm. as... Kind of, it's I wouldn't say family oriented, but they are not as tight as they usually are in South America. But I guess it wasn't like a huge struggle for me because again, like I was like not as close to my extended family as everybody else. And people mind their own business more here. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like that's another thing that a lot of people like you know, yeah, they judgmental bit. It almost always like you hear some someone complaining about what someone else is doing and it's like, you know, who cares? It's not affecting you in any way so <laughs> let them be <laughs> and do you find there any differences between the people and sort of social behavior i think they were open here mm -hmm. uh, in a way but it's like open in up to a point mm -hmm. so it's like re it's easy to talk to chat to people but then it's kind of more difficult to make friends with people Mm -hmm. so it's like they're friendly but it's hard to make friends in in ecuador it's like sometimes I, I don't know like they can be judgy sometimes like i mentioned but then it's really easy to make friends with people over there they're like you know they just see you in the street and you know if you if they like you they will be like sure let's go and have drinks and you know and whatever so it's like that's kind of like a big difference i think So where did you grow up in Ecuador? In the biggest city, actually, in the country called Guayaquil. Mm -hmm. um, so it's in the coast. It's actually kind of similar to Hover because it has a river like mm -hmm. in between it, but it's very hot and humid. Yeah. <laughs> it's a nice city. I quite like it. But yeah, every time that I go back now, it's like, it's too warm for me. <laughs> well, I believe Ecuador literally means equator, doesn't it? Yeah, that's kind of where the, the, the name comes from, from that equatorial line that goes through the northern part of the country. Yeah. So obviously, the, most of the country is very tropical. Yeah, it depends on where you are. Mm -hmm. So my mom's side of the family comes from like the highlands mm -hmm. and... We have this sort of weather, like nice and cool, because it's like so high up. So you know you yeah. can get to two, three thousand meters altitude. So it's yeah, even though it's a small country, it has like quite a variety of yeah, you know habitats and like climate. So what was it like um, growing up in Guayaquil? How was your your sort of childhood and school um, years? 
So I used to, when I was younger, until about 10 or 11, I used to live in the same building as my uh, grandparents, one of my uncles. So it was like, it was always like people around. But then eventually we kind of moved towards the suburbs. (laughs) And it kind of was like a shelter childhood, I would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it was like... A little bit different around there. So a lot of my friends make fun of me because they say I'm a bubble child because I spend a lot of time in the suburb and I don't really know the city that well. Okay. So I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. <laughs> but I think it's 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 kinda of funny because I, I think yeah, I just kind of got used to it's like more upscale sort of area. Mm-hmm. Although I always say to people, you know, even though my family was like in the nice bar i was always in the poor part of the nicest okay. <laughs> yeah because it's like you know kind of middle class family so we just kind of moved in there before all the rich people kind of went there okay. so it was quite a nice area and i think it was because my dad especially was worried about like safety because it's like i guess it's like everywhere you can you know get robbed every now and then i've never actually experienced that luckily but i think it's probably mostly because i spend a lot of time there in the suburbs. i never worry about you know oh am i going to be robbed or anything i would leave my bike unlocked like mm-hmm. outside the shops and it will be there by the time I went out. So it's, it depends on where you are. And also, I think it's, it's the problem is like really social and economic as well, because, yeah. you know, it's not like we are poor countries. Most of us has a lot of resources. The mm-hmm. problem is like we're so badly managed and yeah. people have no choice. Like you see there, you know, I steal something to try to get something, you know, some food on the table. So in a way I can't blame them. Like, yeah. It feels, it, it mostly feels sad to me because it's like, you know, it shouldn't be like that. We should do better. That's one of the things that I like about Australia. It's, well, although it's changing. <laughs> yeah, generally uh, Australia's had a reasonably good record. But yeah. as we, you know, we have some particular problems in Tasmania at the moment, like the housing yeah. is a bit of a crisis at the moment I guess exactly so it's like it makes me sad because I've seen like you know how bad it can get if you don't manage it well if you don't have that safety net that you know you have in Australia because I think you know education um, health should be you know it's it's a basic human right it should be accessible mm-hmm. to everybody it shouldn't be like only the people who have the money and can yeah. afford it should be able to access them so that's kind of like one of the things that I really like about Australia because it's like you know it's like Everybody will have like the same chance, which is not the same in my country, sadly. <laughs> when you were at school, like, did you have any, were you thinking at that time already about maybe going overseas? Yeah, like every time, because I, I used to, I've been a nerd since as long as I can remember. And I used to watch all these kind of conservationists or like scientists that would go all over the planet kind of studying animals and whatever. And that was kind of my motivation. I actually wanted to be a vet, but I wanted to travel to like different places and come to Australia to see the koalas and the kangaroos and go to like Africa to see the big lions. But then eventually I kind of realized maybe vet is not the best thing for me because I really like dogs and I don't want you know, the sad parts. Mm. So that's why I wasn't sure what to do. And then I decided to do business because, you know, it was something to do. Yeah. 
and eventually I decided, no, I'm going to back into science because I'm, I actually quite like animals and the whole motivation for doing my work is because, you know, I want to do something to protect them, hopefully. <laughs> I don't, I don't think I noticed it until we actually went into lockdown because mm -hmm. I went to live with my mom for a little bit. And then it's like you start hearing the birds again. Yeah. And it's like, oh, my God, like, you know, when I was a child growing up, I used to listen to these birds all the time. And, you know, lots of sudden they stop and now they're kind of back again. So we don't have that very much. But then in other areas like my grandparents, my mom's parents, they come from like a smaller town. And over there you see way more because it's like kind of, a little bit isolated, little valley in the middle of nowhere. It's actually quite nice. <laughs> yeah. It sounded like you had quite a bit of extended family sort of around you. Not so much. Mm. So often in Ecuador and Latin America in general, you do have like, you know, your aunties and your grandma and whatever. So up to about 10, that was more true. But then when we moved away, it was like, I didn't really see them very often anymore. Mm. So... Yeah, it was a bit sad. And I guess it's like I'm not as close to my cousins as other people might be just because, you know, kind of like, because we grew up a little bit more in a bubble, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's sort of more what happens in Australia where, where families yeah. are kind of quite far apart and yeah. not always as connected. Yeah. And I guess it's like I didn't get as homesick. Like a lot of people from Latin America, when they come here, the first few years they feel like oh you know their family is so far away they really struggle but with me it's like um i guess it's like not as difficult because okay. you know i can just chat to them on the phone and it will be fine yeah. <laughs> well that's that's handy yeah I exactly yeah. <laughs> when you travel across south america and you want to speak to someone in Spanish mm -hmm. and then you don't understand each other. <laughs> yeah, I've heard there that the, there are some quite different um, accents between the... It's not only the accent. It's like sometimes words have different meanings. So one of the things that I think it's hilarious, we have these... It's like a veg, like a sort of like grain mm -hmm. that in, in Ecuador we call them chocho. So we make a ceviche out of chochos but then if you go to Spain and say chocho, it actually is a slang for a woman's vagina. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So if you say, oh, I like eating chochos, then people will be like, wait, <laughs> what are you talking about? Is there anything you found more difficult to adapt to or anything took time to adapt to? The food. Okay. Yeah, that's one of the things that even now I struggle with. I think in a way that's why I like Asian food so much because in Ecuador it's like produce is like so fresh and has like so much flavor mm -hmm. that it's just like, you know, you, you eat a tomato raw and it's like nice and sweet. But in here it's like, it's almost like water. <laughs> it doesn't have much flavor. You, yeah, if you get them from the supermarket. Yeah. yeah, so it's like I think you have to like know where to get it to like have that same sort of flavor as in Ecuador but yeah that's kind of one of the things that I struggle with because it's like I'm not a great cook yeah over there it's like at least because the, the the fruits and veggies were so nice that you know your food was nice but in here it was like more of a struggle so I have to learn how to cook 
but then I got into Asian food uh, mm-hmm. because it was like more flavorsome, I guess. So in a way, that was like a good thing. In yeah. <laughs> Silver lining, I guess. But, so what, what, what kind of foods are popular in Ecuador? It kind of depends on where you come from. Um, so right in the coast, there's a lot of like seafood. Uh, we have our version of ceviche. We have like everything you can possibly imagine with like seafood and fish. In my hometown, actually all along the coast, rice is big. Almost like in a lot of Asian countries, you mm-hmm. always have rice. It's the same in Ecuador. You always have rice. Even yeah. if you have pasta, you will have rice. That's how much we love it. But then if you go to the highlands, they tend to eat more, I think a bit more healthy. They eat more grains. Oh, although they eat weird foods as well, so they have the guinea pigs that they yeah, eat. Yeah, I was going to say, I saw that on my yeah. Wikipedia. I thought, oh, <laughs> it's one of the specialities of Ecuador was guinea pig uh, roast yeah. guinea pig or something. Yeah, and then it's like, it's weird because you see the whole animal, so you see the face. And I'm like, yeah. I don't know how I feel about looking at the face of the animal that I'm about to eat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but people love it. Like, I did try it, although it kind of feel sad, but I was like, I don't know, it tastes a bit weird. <laughs> But yeah, people really like it. But it's it's very different uh, depending on kind of where you go. But yeah, I think we use a lot of plantain, uh, okay. but which is like the one thing that any Ecuadorian from the coast will miss when they are away. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we eat a lot of plantain, a lot of dishes. You can you can you know have it like fried. You can have it mashed. You can you know do. So many beautiful dishes. Just thinking about it, I'm like, sorry. <laughs> so yeah, that's one of the things that I really miss because here I can't find it anywhere. Essentially, they use, you know, religion as a weapon, like mm-hmm. to, you know, for the Spanish to kind of like conquer us, I guess, in a way. Yeah, because that was the only way that they could really control people. Like, you know, that's they, and it's really sad because even now, you know, like everywhere there's problems with racism, probably not as bad as in the US, for example, but it's still there. And there's still this belief that, you know, people who are not white or white looking are less than people who are white. Mm. And that's all because when the Spanish went over, it was like, oh, you know, God, meant for the white people to like you know be the best thing ever and then everybody else and it's sad that it's still like that like people internalize it yes and it's like it's still a thing so you know we have been making progress we have indigenous people in parliament and whatever but you know you can't you can't say that there's no racism or that the effects of what they did are not felt still so what's the what is the racial makeup in Ecuador is there still a lot a lot of people who are of um, indigenous so I think it depends on the region people in the coast most of the coastal areas uh, we tend to be quite well mixed mm-hmm. people in the highlands that that's where most of the indigenous peoples come from uh, and also it's like the Amazonian part but yeah for example myself I have a bit of indigenous, a bit of black, and a bit of white in me. So okay. it's like, yeah, from everywhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mixed together. Yes. Because I think I sort of, I did a bit of, you know, I just looked on Wikipedia a bit about Ecuador, mm-hmm. and, and it seemed like there were quite a lot of, um, quite a high percentage of people who are sort of mixed, mixed race. Yeah. There's a, yeah, I don't, don't remember exactly what's the proportion, but yeah, it's, it's quite high. 
But then if you look at our football team, you wouldn't think so because a lot of people are black. They come from like two main provinces. Yeah. Like there's one, this little tiny town in the middle of nowhere, a valley, and they're all essentially slaves who who escaped. Yeah, and they yeah. went to this really remote area and they were free. And they are amazing footballers. Yeah. <laughs> That's why most of them come from there. Or there's another province at like the top, the like northern part of the coast. Uh, called Esmeraldas again it's like a lot of like slaves who escape and they could become free in there and yeah amazing footballers from there as well <laughs> yeah yeah do you have any sort of plans for the future I don't know mm-hmm. so I like moving a lot and part of me is like okay enough I've been here like <laughs> over a year i should like move on to another place but then it's like you know i have to finish a phd i have two more years in here so i don't know part of me kind of wants to stay but another part of me wants to leave so i don't know what i will do i, I guess it's like more importantly it's like can i get a job yeah absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so yeah it's like if i can get a job here i won't complain it's a really nice place but then if i have to go away i'll probably be a bit sad because it's like you know it's such a nice it's it's just a nice place to be in yeah 